While we were all getting ready for Big Ten football, the college football playoff decided to drop a bomb on us going into the weekend. We got to talk about it. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into my thoughts on the Big Ten's power rankings as of right now. After one week, where do I have all 14 of the Big Ten teams? Won't get into all 14 of them, of course, but we do have some big, big movement after the first week of the season. We'll talk about the AP polls as well. Coaches' polls came out too. We'll break down all the movement that we saw from Big Ten teams after a crazy, crazy week one. But of course, we start out with the biggest news of the day. The Big Ten, of course, is trying to get power, and they got a little bit more of it over the weekend. With the College Football Playoff Committee announcing that they approved a 12-team college football playoff starting in 2026, but with rumors to try and push things to as soon as 2024. Now, for the Big Ten, this means one automatic team every single season, pretty much. How the rules go is that there will be six bids given automatically to the six highest-ranked automatic qualifiers conference champions. So, as long as the Big Ten's conference champion is one of the six highest conference champions in all of college football, Big Ten's going to have at least one team. The other six bids are going to be at-large bids, going to whoever the top six teams ranked outside of the conference champions are. So the Big Ten has a college football playoff bid automatically, pretty much indefinitely, starting at the latest in 2026. So that's a power grab, but I'm not exactly sure if it's quite as big of a grab as what you might think on the surface. I'll get to that in a second, but first the details. It was a unanimous vote on Friday to expand to 12 teams again in 2026, the latest, but there could be rumors to try and push things to as early as 2024. It was, of course, a 12-person committee, 11 conference commissioners, no, no, 11 people, I apologize, 10 conference commissioners, and then Notre Dame gets its own bid as well. It gives the Big Ten more power with the assured playoff spot, but what does this mean for Notre Dame? This was something that I think came maybe first to the minds of everyone when you heard this news, when you heard that the Big Ten was going to be getting and that conference champions were going to be getting an automatic bid into this playoff. And while I think when you first think about it, that means that Notre Dame is now going to have to join a conference at some point soon. And that's been the talk of the day. What does this mean for Notre Dame? Do the Fighting Irish now have to join a conference to have a shot at one of those six bids too and not limit themselves? Right now, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm thinking, okay, we did perfectly fine when it was four bids and the conference champions got a huge advantage then anyway. Now you're telling me there's going to be six at-large bids up for grabs and the six conference champions are not going to be a part of it? Listen, yes, as far as the pure numbers of it all goes, Notre Dame would have a shot at one of seven Bids being one of seven possible teams, either a conference champion or six at-large bids, compared to being one of six if they don't join a conference. But if I'm looking at 
myself as a Notre Dame football fan and thinking, well, the reason why we haven't gone into a conference before is because it works and it's who we are. It's not going to stop working as long as Notre Dame stays competitive, right? I mean, even after losing here to Ohio State to start the season, Ohio State beats them, Notre Dame falls down to number eight, still comfortably in position to get one of those bids if we were in that scenario right now. Of course, we're going to have now, as we do with the NCAA tournament, bid stealers and things like that to worry about too. But if I'm looking at Notre Dame, I understand from the outside, it's like, hey, give yourself a shot at a conference championship. But with what Notre Dame likes to do with how it schedules things and likes to keep its traditions going, it's, I think, maybe willing to give up the chance at that extra playoff spot, that extra opportunity to get your name thrown into the hat for the ability to have its freedom still to do what it wants. Because again, it still works. Notre Dame ends up in the top 12 all the time. It ends up in spots where if you played it out the way that things could have gone in this format, Notre Dame would have been in comfortably. I don't think that this is something that forces Notre Dame's hand yet. Again, down the road, who knows what's going to happen with what is going on with conferences right now. But just from a Notre Dame standpoint, their chances to make the playoff got bigger here too. That's all there is to it. Every single good team got a better chance at making the college football playoff, at getting an opportunity to play in one of those big games. If Notre Dame wants a chance to be one of the top seeds, I guess, in that 12-team format, get one of whatever a bye is going to look like in this playoff format and schedule, I don't know exactly. Then maybe they can jump in and try and figure out what exactly that advantage or disadvantage is. But as far as this being like, oh, this is the trump card that now Notre Dame has to get in because it does affect their competitive nature, I don't think it does. I mean, yes, being in a conference now is probably better for Notre Dame as far as just direct impact that it would have on the football field. But as far as the chances that they have to be in the postseason yesterday compared to today, Notre Dame's in a much better spot. And I don't think the Irish are moving anytime soon just because of this. If it starts to play out differently once we get this going, then maybe things get more interesting. But we'll see. The other thing I had on this is I'm not sure exactly as I mentioned that this is a huge, huge upgrade for the Big Ten as far as the power that you have. If I was trying to restructure it best for the Big Ten, I might have gone with an eight-team playoff. And if you want to do it the same way, give the top four conferences an automatic bid and then the next four at-large bids. Then I think you have a shot of being able to get three Big Ten teams in there on a good year. How it stands right now, I'm looking at like that fifth and sixth automatic conference bid. And as a conference that's trying to grow and become a super conference and become one of two conferences in all of college sports at some point. Those are just bids that are going to get stolen away from my teams. So while the 12-team playoff allows you as a Big Ten fan to look at your school and say, hey, my team has a much better chance today than it did yesterday. And just about everyone can say that right now. As far as what you're looking at as a conference, 
I don't know if you get the same kind of value as far as the chances of producing a national champion, let's say. Just if you're looking at pure number of teams that you get in. I'm thinking about like, okay, in 10 years, who's going to be the fourth best conference champion? Is this thing going to have to change a few years into it getting started? I would expect something like that possibly to happen if we continue to move in the way that we are in college realignment. But I do think that that's also something that the board would be very easy to change. There's a reason why there's six bids now going to automatic and at large teams, a 12 team playoff with 11 people on that committee, a conference commissioner for each. I mean, it was a unanimous vote, but this was what was going to make everybody at least a little bit happy. Again, if I was a Big Ten team or a Big Ten fan looking at it from the conference as a whole side of things, I would say maybe put eight in there and then you have a chance to at least match whatever the best of the best is. But right now I'm thinking worst case scenario is you have the SEC champion and then that SEC teams end up taking the next however many at-large bids it is. If they get like three or four, I don't know if that's that out of the picture right now, especially if there's other bids being taken away. So like either less automatic bids at some point by shrinking the whole thing or by giving more large bids. But in a world where the Big Ten is going to be one of the most powerful football conferences, I think you're happy getting an automatic bid, but you're thinking about it like, okay, maybe we shorten that down to top four conferences get automatic bids top three top two even that would be fine with us because the big 10 the more at large chances you get the more chances you get to get your teams in there you don't want a sixth best automatic bid going to i mean who would be the sixth best conference in college football right now it's it's kind of odd to think about setting this up the way it is even at this moment that's just my thoughts on what we learned over the weekend in a big, big news drop before we were getting ready for the first week of the season. And it was something, of course, that is going to change college football going forward. It'll be interesting to see when exactly they try to get that going. Coming up in a minute, we're going to look at polls and my personal rankings too. First though, from the AP and the coaches, how did everyone in the Big Ten move around over the weekend? Everything came out here today with, of course, college football being played as late as yesterday. We'll get to it right here on Locked On Big Ten. First, though, Underdog Fantasy is helping us start up the football season the right way. It's the easiest place to spice up the college football season with fantasy sports. Underdog has investment backing from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Sandler, and more. You can go over to Underdog Fantasy. What you do is, say, take your favorite Big Ten players out there. They've got over-under lines on just about all of them. You take your pick out of what's listed from two to five players in the props that they have, and you just pick over or under whatever their line's listed. And whatever you put in, you can earn up to 20 times that amount just by, again, picking two to five players in your lineup for the day. You go over to Underdog Fantasy, sign up right now using our promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's one deposit of $100. You get $100 in your account for free. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store, or wherever it is you get your apps. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. 
Get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, let's take a look at the Big Ten's AP poll and coaches poll standings here after week one. Because some interesting movement at the top, at the bottom too. It was a, a kind of big shift that we had throughout after one week of football. At the very top, Ohio State loses a spot, which is after what Georgia did against Oregon, what are you going to do, right? Ohio State looked perfectly fine. They didn't lose that spot because they did anything wrong. It was a slow first half, but as I mentioned yesterday, and as I think is kind of the consensus after that second half, Ohio State's offense looks perfectly fine. The defense had always looked good, so I'm not worried too much about the Buckeyes. The interesting or first interesting move is Michigan, and I guess it makes some sense for them to be able to move up a little bit. They won pretty bad and had some teams above them lose, but four spots up for Michigan, and in the AP poll, they're sitting in what would be a college football playoff spot. I mean, when we're watching games over this weekend, we're going to see Ohio State 3, Michigan 4. That's where you want to be if you're a Big Ten fan right now. So that's really, really cool. Number five in the coaches poll for Michigan. Again, number eight last week in the AP coaches poll. They jump over Notre Dame, who lost. Clemson, who won but just barely and was at number four before. Texas A&M, who stayed put at number six. And Utah, who, of course, lost to Florida. That makes them number four team in the country. Next two teams, Michigan State and Wisconsin, I don't have too much on. They won their games handily. They stayed pretty much the same. Michigan State got a bump at the coaches' pull up to 11, moved up to 14 in the AP. Wisconsin actually moved down a spot from 18 to 19 in the shifts after the first week. A first real surprise to me was I kind of wanted to see Penn State in the top 25. I thought the Nittany Lions obviously fought hard enough against Purdue to win that game. They had come in, it was last week in the first polls at 29 in that poll. They move up to 27 here. And there were some weird things that happened. I mean, Oregon moved all the way out of the top 25 with their loss. They were the number 26 team on this list. So it's good teams who are up there right now. But I think that if Penn State keeps winning, they're obviously going to be a top 25 team soon. I, I thought they might be able to jump in there right now, become that uh, fifth Big Ten team to hop into the top 25 because you know someone's going to do it sooner or later and you're hoping to do it uh, with Penn State here sooner because going into this week the next best option was Iowa and yeah that hasn't been great uh, by the way Iowa not only is still not in the conversation for the top 25 in the AP they didn't receive a single vote which is an impressive uh, I mean I think, to say the least, stance on where exactly they look at or where exactly the media puts them. They were above Penn State in the preseason polls. Number 28 had a whole lot of votes there and absolutely all of them gone after that 7-3 win over South Dakota State. That is how remarkably unimpressive it was. It wasn't just that the final score was what it was. I mean, the mistakes happened, but yeah, it was bad, and it shows in what the media says. Coaches, oddly enough, still giving them plenty of love. They finished in the what would be 30th spot and receiving plenty of votes still there. So a little bit confusing, but I was surprised to see them fall all the way off there. But, I mean, it was well-earned. Minnesota is another surprise team for me. I wanted to see them a little bit higher here. I thought they dismantled New Mexico State, and not only did they do that, 38 to nothing shows that without a doubt, but... I thought they did it in just such an impressive way. Mo Ibrahim looked really, really good. 
in coming back off the torn ACL from a year ago. Uh, the defense obviously was outstanding for Minnesota. And after some questions going into the season, I think you're a lot more confident that at the very least it's going to be very, very good. We were asking before, can it be that elite top 20 kind of defense again? I don't know about that. We'll see as the season goes on. But at least as far as them being able to hold their own in the Big Ten, I'm pretty confident here. Minnesota looked really, really good. I was seeing them. I mean, they, they didn't even jump Iowa in the coaches' poll. Didn't even come close to it. That doesn't make sense to me, as we'll talk about when we get to my power rankings here in a minute. Uh, Northwestern got a single AP vote, or uh, no, got a single coaches' vote. Check that uh, to finish what would be tied for 44th. And then Purdue, no votes in the coaches' poll, which I thought was really, really harsh. And ends up at 43rd, the last of the Big Ten teams mentioned in the AP poll as well. They were at 40 in the preseason poll. I think that's a little tough for me. I mean, Purdue lost that game, had a really good chance to win it. But, like, I mean, where would you have Purdue right now if they had beaten Penn State? If they had gotten what they were so close to getting throughout all of that game? I would be putting him pretty high. And I've been high on Purdue, I guess. But I'd be putting him pretty high right now just because of that. But also, I think you have to go the opposite side of the coin here and say, hey, they were so close to winning that game that while, yes, they lost it, and they lost it in a pretty disappointing way, I wouldn't have them just not receiving votes anymore at this point or at the bottom of the barrel. Again, they didn't exactly have a whole lot going into it as far as votes come, and they lost in the week one, so there isn't that much wiggle room to be had. But I was still ready to say that Purdue has an opportunity to be a good football team. I mean, I guess if you're talking about the top 25, I wouldn't put them in there if I had a vote either. But I was surprised to see some of the teams that did get votes and Purdue didn't, even after a first week loss. We'll get into everything here now going on with my power rankings in the Big Ten. We went over the AP and the coaches' polls, but after seeing everybody, I, I want to tell you what I think just everything stands at right now. Top three of the same that they were. Nothing changes after one week for me. Ohio State at one, Michigan at number two, Michigan State at number three. I will insist until I'm proven otherwise that I think those three teams in the East are better than any team that the West is putting up right now, and I kind of Got some help on that case over the first weekend, without a doubt. The next team I have is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, a team I think is kind of just cementing itself in that tier well below the top three, but well above anybody else in the Big Ten. Maybe not well below Michigan State, I suppose. But the point is they're kind of firmly in four right now. And then fives where things kind of were up for grabs. I thought that whoever wins that Purdue-Penn State game ends up at that number five spot. Unless anybody does something really, really impressive or one of the top teams falls off, that spot was going to go to that team. And I do have Penn State there. They were just really the only team that was tested in any sort of way. And I did like the way that they were able to beat that Purdue squad. Of course, we went over. They have top 25 votes too. So that's Penn State at number five for me. Uh, Iowa. I'm sorry, not Iowa. Iowa would have been fifth in the uh, AP polls. Minnesota is number six for me. I was hinting at this earlier. Minnesota, I thought, looked really, really good against New Mexico State. I thought that they did their best in a first game against a team that's clearly inferior to kind of answer the questions that we had about them going into the season. How was Minnesota able to 
cover up the holes of the defensive players they lost to the NFL. What about on offense? What does Mo Ibrahim do after being out a full season? Minnesota lost a star receiver again. What does that look like? Chris Ottman-Bell is back too. What does all of that end up coming together and being? And I thought they passed just about every test. Tanner Morgan looked good. He managed the game perfectly. P.J. Fleck obviously has that fan base ready to go and looking for it. And I think Minnesota should have been ranked a little higher. I said it before. I have them again at number six on my power rankings here. At number seven, I have Purdue. Again, they barely got into the voting in the coaches and AP polls, but they looked good enough against Penn State and could have won that game. Where when I'm looking at all the other performances around the Big Ten, I'm thinking, okay, did anybody overly impress all that much aside from the Minnesota thing I said? I mean, you had your blowouts, of course, but as far as what I'm looking at, I'm thinking, okay, I still think Purdue is good. I still believe in Purdue, and I would have had Purdue, I think, higher than this at the next point, maybe even at number five if we did this last week. So I'm definitely like moving them down in what I would have had them from before in my rankings, but that's still, I think, higher than what some people might have Purdue at right now at seven. At number eight, I have Maryland. Looked good. Talia Tungabello looked like he's going to be able to win some games. Number nine's Iowa. I, I mean, I, I had Iowa at first listed at maybe seven. Then I was like, no, no, they're not. You can't put them over Purdue after what they did week one. And then I looked at Maryland and I was like, no, you can't put them over Maryland. You can't put them over Minnesota. So while what I said yesterday still stands, I still think Iowa can beat any Big Ten team any day still, any Big Ten team on the West any day still. That was bad, and it needs to be punished. And I think ninth place is effectively a good spot for it. And then at the bottom of the barrel, Northwestern, Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana, and Illinois. And yeah, Nebraska at 12, Huskers haven't looked good. Losing to Northwestern, a disappointment, had a rough start against North Dakota, and it's a mess. This is more it's a mess than anything about what Nebraska's done on the football field, even though... Obviously, what they've done on the football field has contributed to the mess. I, I guess, I don't know, that was a bad way to say it. <laughs> I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that while the scores haven't been great, it's more about just kind of how it feels like things are falling apart there. And I, I don't want any sort of stock in it. So put them at 12 out of 14, have Indiana and Illinois that week one game decide the bottom two, and hope things can get better by the time you play Oklahoma here coming up. Because... I mean, that's the really only chance I think Nebraska has until they show up in the Big Ten standings and start competing to say, hey, maybe we can be really good again. Because, I mean, I don't know how many people on campus are believing in that team right now. It's not good. Not good at all. That's my power rankings for the Big Ten. You had my AP poll as well. Before we go, a quick wrap-up on everything from over the last day and then last few days in recruiting in Big Ten news. Uh, Big Ten scores from yesterday. Number 14, Maryland men's soccer took action. They dominated Virginia 6-1. to It was the only event in the Big Ten calendar for Monday. One on the calendar for today, too. Indiana lost its top 25 ranking in men's soccer last week. They're going to try and start a campaign to get it back against St. John's, hosting them tonight. And in recruiting news, over the last week, unranked long snapper Jake Elridge, doesn't mean he's not good, long snappers don't get ranked, he commits to Rutgers, he's out of IMG Academy in Florida, so they produce good football players. Three-star corner, also Colton Hood, committed to Michigan State out of Georgia. 
in recruiting updates on the football field. That's our show for today. Coming up tomorrow, anything, of course, that happens in the Big Ten throughout the day. And we'll get our first look at some of the biggest games coming up this weekend here on Locked On Big Ten. Be sure to listen in to any of the Big Ten podcasts from around the Locked On network. If you have a team, go subscribe to them right now. They're out here looking at stuff every day, just like we do here on Locked On Big Ten. And also, now that you're done with us, Go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter. The show is Locked On Big Ten, one zero, not T-E-N at the end there, wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter as well. We'll be back tomorrow with more on anything that goes on in the Big Ten. Until then, thanks for listening.